Good morning from the Financial Times. Today is Wednesday, May 26th, and this is your FT News Briefing. Privacy activists in England are upset about a plan by the NHS to give patients medical histories to third parties. And those American companies that stopped making political donations after the U.S. Capitol attack, they're sitting on tens of millions of dollars in unspent cash. Plus, the world is moving away from fossil fuels. So what does this mean for countries that depend on old energy exports? They have this sort of cheap oil and gas that they are hooked on. And they are in a predicament whereby they may not be able to pivot quick enough before those funds run out. I'm Mark Filipino, and here's the news you need to start your day. The FT reports that England's National Health Service plans to share millions of patients' medical histories with third parties. This includes sensitive information on mental and sexual health, criminal records, and child abuse history. This data collection project will pool medical records from every patient in England registered with a GP clinic. That's 55 million people. It'll be made available to academic and commercial third parties for research and planning. Now, privacy campaigners are pretty upset over this. One digital rights group called Foxglove says the NHS won't say who will be able to access the data. Foxglove has also threatened legal action. Another privacy advocate said the NHS had opaque commercial relationships that would make it difficult to trace who ultimately sees the data. Patients can opt out. They have until next month to fill out a form to do so. Right after the January attack on the U.S. Capitol by Donald Trump supporters, a bunch of American companies announced they'd suspend political contributions. An FT analysis shows that more than 40 corporate PACs, or political action committees, are now sitting on $28 million of unspent cash. That could be unleashed in upcoming elections, including the 2022 midterms. The FT's data journalist, Christine Zong, has dug into these numbers. She says $28 million is a lot for this early in a midterm election cycle, but corporate PAC money doesn't have the same oomph it once did, given the explosion in individual donations. I think from a philosophical standpoint, corporate PACs are really doing some soul-searching and trying to figure out what they want to be and how they want to exert political power in the future. Um, They're not giving as much money compared to individual donors, not like a lot of money compared to like the money, small dollar donations that come in through Act Blue or Win Red. Um, So I think corporate PACs are kind of thinking like, what do they want to do in the future, you know? but I, I do think that the ones that have said that they're, they've suspended donations and they haven't spent a single cent on political contributions, I think it is pretty likely that they will be spending pretty soon um, because you don't amass this amount of cash without some kind of plan on spending it. Christine Zong is a data journalist for the FT. There's an unprecedented focus among governments, corporations, and citizens around the world to reduce carbon emissions. That means shifting away from fossil fuels to cleaner forms of energy. That's good for the planet, 
but it could be painful for countries that depend on exporting fossil fuels for their economy. The World Bank says the nations least prepared for an energy shift include Libya, Venezuela, Nigeria, and Iran, among others. The FT's senior energy correspondent, Anjali Raval, spoke to Iraq's finance minister about this. The finance minister has said very starkly, you know, we know we need to change. We know the way we run our economy needs to change. And as the finance minister said, you know, it could be catastrophic for a country like Iraq if what we saw last year, which is, uh, you know, declining demand for the country's oil, declining oil prices, if all of that coincides into something far more structural, this could be very painful. So I asked Anjali why some countries are so unprepared for the shift away from fossil fuels. Part of this is to do with a country's exposure to fossil fuels, i.e. what share of you know, GDP is made up by these sort of fossil fuel exports. And then there's a resiliency point, which is sort of years, more often than not, decades, of mismanagement of funds. You know, if countries had the foresight, they would have used the cash from natural resources to plough into other sectors to foster the development of agriculture, industry, you know, manufacturing, all these things could have been put in place. And this takes time. And bear in mind, it's very difficult when, let's say, you have been mired in war or if there's been widespread inequality and poverty and all these things, it makes it incredibly difficult to just move away from the main source of income for a particular country. So, Anjali, are these countries getting any assistance or are they just being, I don't know, left on their own to flounder? There's been a conversation of late really about what does a just transition look like. And so you've started to see lots of academics saying that actually, given the global nature of the problem, those who are well-placed need to also think about those that are just not in the same position as them. You know, it's not very helpful to just offload the burden onto poorer economies who uh, are just not as well positioned um, and expect them to change and behave in exactly the same way, particularly when the country's development is just nowhere near, let's say, that of the US or the UK or other countries in Europe. What would motivate wealthier countries to support poorer countries who can't wean their economies off fossil fuels? Like, why should the rest of the world care here? Fossil fuel-dependent economies represent almost one-third of the world's population. They're a fifth of global greenhouse gas emissions. And their success or their failure has massive implications. You know, how they perform in the energy transition and the kind of the transition towards a lower carbon economy has huge implications, not just for global geopolitics, but inequality, energy security, and even migration patterns. You know, we don't know how this is going to play out, particularly if there is a speedier than expected transition that leaves a lot of countries uh, ill-equipped to deal with it. Angela Raval is the FT senior energy correspondent. Thanks, Angela. Thank you. Before we go, as big economies recover from the pandemic, there's a lot of talk about inflation. Now, 
the rubber is hitting the road. Or, we should say, the cream cheese is hitting the bagel. The sausage is hitting the pan. The coffee is... Okay, so what I'm trying to say is that breakfast is more expensive because the raw ingredients for making the most important meal of the day, like coffee beans, wheat, and sugar, have shot up nearly 30% over the past two years. It's part of a broader commodities boom. Milk has been particularly volatile. Prices are currently 12% higher than the average benchmark value in 2019. And if you think you're off the hook because you've switched to oat milk, not so fast. Oats have also become more costly. Prices are up 20% since the start of 2020, and this month hit their highest level in six years. You can read more on all of these stories at FT.com. This has been your daily FT News Briefing. Make sure you check back tomorrow for the latest business news. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. Coriant provides wealth management services centered around you. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Coriant has experienced teams who can craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex. Real wealth requires real solutions. Connect with a wealth advisor today at Coriant.com. That's Coriant.com. Join Capital Group CEO Mike Gitlin for a new edition of the Capital Ideas Podcast. In unscripted conversations with investment professionals, you'll hear real stories about successes and lessons learned, informed by decades of investment experience. It's your look inside one of the world's largest asset managers. New episodes are available monthly. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. Invest 30 minutes in an episode today. Published by American Funds Distributors, Inc.